Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. We hope you'll enjoy listening to this message as Pastor Alex leads us in God's Word. It is our hope that you'll personally experience God through these teachings. Now here's Pastor Alex. I've just been so glad that Jesus was raised from the dead because um, I, I want you to know that there's one disease that no human is immune from, death. Nobody gets out of it. Everybody dies someday. Some seemingly premature, others live good, long, wholesome lives. But either way, death will come, and death is not our friend. I want you to know that God never intended humans to ever die. He created us in the beginning to live forever. But something happened on the way to heaven. It was called the temptation in the garden. But I'm so glad that that's not the end of the story. I have a hope and a future no matter how much opposition I experience here. And if you follow Jesus, you will too. You'll be able to hit the grave and just keep on going. Because this is not the real you. This is just a temporary apartment that we're renting for a season. The real us is on the inside. Our spirit and our soul live forever somewhere. Maybe you've heard about people who don't know where they're going after they die. There was this um, couple in Minnesota, northern Minnesota, who was experiencing one of those really freezing cold winters, and they said, we've got to get out of here. So in the middle of January, and they said, let's go to Florida. Let's just get out of this, this freezing cold weather. And they decided on staying at the hotel that they spent their anniversary or honeymoon in 20 years before. So they got their reservations, and because of their busy schedules, they couldn't get on the same flight. And uh, so the husband went down early. He flew down on Thursday, and the wife was supposed to follow on Friday. So the husband got down there first, and he realized, wow, 20 years, this place has changed, man. It's got a lot of upgrades. Found a computer in his room and uh, decided to sit down and write his wife a little note. So he begins typing, and, you know, it's kind of puts her uh, email address in, and without realizing, leaves out one letter, but it just hit send anyway. So off it went, and uh, somewhere in Houston, Texas, a woman was just returning from her husband's funeral. And uh, she was pretty distraught, but had a lot of friends gathered around her, and had a wonderful, comforting time with her friends, but she arrived at home, and uh, decided to sit down and just check her computer because a lot of her friends couldn't make it. And uh, so she assumed there'd be some kind letters that had come in. And, and so she sat down and, and opened the first one. She read it and fainted, absolutely just dropped onto the floor. Her son heard her in the other room, and so he comes running in, sees his mom on the floor, and then looks up at the screen, and here's what he read. To my loving wife, subject, I've arrived. I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now. And, and you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I've just arrived and I've been checked in. I, I see that everything has be pre been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you then and I hope your journey is not as uneventful as mine was. P.S. Sure is hot down here. <laughs> I would faint too, wouldn't you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
I forgot to mention the man who died. He passed away of a sudden heart attack, and he had been a minister all his life. And so the presumption was he was supposed to be in heaven, so. <laughs> which made matters much, much worse. You know, conquering death, however, though resurrection is what we celebrate, is not the sole purpose of Christ's coming. It is absolutely the, the crowning achievement that God accomplished when Jesus walked out of the grave. The real primary, I think, central reason God sent his son was to restore love. Because love had been lost. And, and the moment that Adam and Eve decided to um, depend on themselves instead of on God, selfishness was born. In an instant, everything turned dark. Everything got turned upside down. Instead of love prevailing in relationships with each other, selfishness and self-protection began to prevail. And so God's primary purpose was not just to help those selfish people live forever. If there was only a resurrection, that's what he would have. Heaven would be full of awful people. He had to first do a work to restore love the way he intended it. John 3.16, one of the most common and familiar verses in the Bible, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When things like this become so familiar that they just go right over our heads, and lose their power, we're in danger of forgetting the primary purpose for sending Jesus. God loves selfish, self-centered people so much that he decided to send his son. Who's not a fan of love? I mean, is there anybody who goes, oh, I don't like love, now love's awful. No, everybody wants more of it, would love to be known for it, We'd love to experience it on a regular basis. Do you know that the topic of love is the single most written about topic in the music in the history of the world? Can't buy me love. No. Love is a many splendor thing. Or something like that. I mean, there's song after song after song after song. Everybody wants to experience love or wants to express love. Who's not a fan? The problem is, Few of us really have the kind of love God intended for us to experience, to give away. Most of our love, even when we're doing wonderful things to other people, uh, there's kind of a self-centered ulterior motive coming back around in hopes that maybe we'll get some payback, right? I mean, if you're honest, isn't that the truth? Why? Because we're all just kind of woven with this thing called selfishness, and it really is a sad thing, but it's true, and honest people would probably recognize that's what it is. And uh, you see it all around the world. It's not just a, an American thing. I mean, if you read the news, there's selfishness on a grand scale and then all the way down to the tiniest little secret acts of people. For instance, uh, Islamic terrorists, you've been hearing about all of the murders. 148 students were murdered at a Kenyan Christian college by a radical terrorist Muslim group. Why? Because those folks believe that they are justified in selfishly removing anyone from the earth that doesn't agree with them. That's, that's pure self-centeredness. That's not, that's not love. It's not even, geez, it's, it's religion, but it's a demonic religion if you ask me. Or 
the German pilot who was so depressed that he decided it's appropriate for me to not only take my own life and suicide, but the lives of 149 innocent passengers at the same time by ramming his jet into a mountainside. That's just pure selfishness, total disregard for the needs and the wants and desires of others. Okay, those are extreme, those are radical, but that's just, that's just kind of the shape of the world we're in, right? Or to the gay and lesbian groups who decide it's okay to put a, a pizza, pizzeria out of business in Indiana because they won't do a gay wedding reception. It's okay, we can, we can destroy a family's livelihood, their future, their life savings, their, their ability to even work in that state anymore because we wanna make a point. Again, those are extreme examples, but you know, when I was a kid, if, if you would've said to me, Alex, are you a sinner? I would've said, I hope not, I don't think so. Because that, that word sin is just kind of complicated and sort of unused. But if they were to ask me, Alex, are you selfish? I go, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I'm not always a great person. I'm kind of self-me-centered sometimes. And so if all of us were kind of asked those same two questions, uh, you may not understand what sin is, but really if you replace it with the word selfishness, you probably got it pretty close. Because self-serving is the beginning of every other evil act. And so when you, when you think about this is the condition of the world that God created, and he's looking down, he's God. He's looking down and he's, he's wondering, what is he gonna do about this? In fact, if you were God, how would you fix this? Or let's say, no, you're not God, let's say you're a life coach. Anybody ever had a life coach or been one? They're, they're kind of like the new thing, you know, you hire somebody to sort of help manage the direction of your life, you know, set goals and achieve them, become a better person and those kind of things. What if you were a life coach and, and you looked down at your appointment calendar and the next appointment is God? 10 o'clock, he's gonna come into your office, okay? And God's got a problem and he wants you to help fix it. And he comes into your office and you're looking at his application and uh, there, there's no, no last name, just God. No, no date of birth, just nothing. He's not married, he's not single, it's just God, okay? So he's coming into your office and, and he says, I really got this problem, I created this glorious planet, it's just beautiful, immaculate, people to populate and care for it and love one another, to love me, to love the creation, love everything. And they've just completely destroyed it. And he asks you, what should I do? How do I, how do I make this right? And so you start scrolling through, you know, you're quick-minded and you're thinking, okay, all the things that are possible. You can tell them, just kill them. They don't deserve to live. Is that the kind of counsel you would give? Or how about we don't kill them, give them a second chance, but punish them so they remember. Go to your room and think about what you did, kind of thing. Or would you school them with a massive transfer of data called the Bible, and just teach, 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 teach. That'll get them right, straighten them out. They just, they just don't know any better. Or would you say, hey God, what you need to do is appease them. Just accommodate, they're just weak and they're tired, they don't know what they're doing. Just kind of, just let them go, it's not that big a deal. How do you make it right? God asks you. And finally he walks out because a light bulb turns on in his mind. He goes, I've got it. I will demonstrate for them 
what love really looks like. You know, trauma surgeons have the horrific job of figuring out what has happened to people who have gone through extreme trauma. And uh, some live, some don't live. Uh, but there's a trauma surgeon I'd like for you to take a look at who will um, kind of help us what it was like for Jesus to say, I love you. I love God's creation. Let's take a look. Yeah, I, I believe that Christ's suffering uh, and the demonstration of the kind of um, physiologic stress that his human body was under uh, is manifested in the Garden of Gethsemane, where it's described that he was sweating blood. And there, are, there is a well-documented uh, medical condition in which patients who are under tremendous amount of uh, emotional stress and physiological stress can, in fact, uh, sweat blood because little blood vessels within the glands burst and, the, and then the blood is expressed. The, the, the scourge involved the use of a, a short whip with pieces of uh, typically metal, sometimes bone, sometimes pieces of porcelain wrapped in these leather straps, which is then utilized to, to come across uh, typically the back, the shoulders, the legs of the victim. Uh, and uh, the first few passes across a particular body part would tear through the skin, the fat, uh, but eventually, once the outer layers were, were uh, torn away, it would start getting in the muscle and the tendon. And of course, along the way, you're ripping through all the blood vessels that supply all those tissues. And so you're losing blood the whole time. The plant that was described um, uh, actually had a very long thorn, um, not the little thorns that we would think from a rose bush. These were thorns that were uh, typically an inch and a half to two inches in length. The scalp is one of the most vascular portions of our bodies. It had a huge blood supply up there. So then having those thorns shoved down into the, you know, down onto the bony plate would have gone through all the scalp which in and of itself would have created a huge amount of blood loss. Uh, I've seen people actually bleed to death from just a scalp injury. So uh, this is not a small injury to have, uh, who knows, dozens uh, of these things shoved into your scalp. And so that would have caused more blood loss. Typically when a victim has to uh, uh, carry the cross, what has been described uh, in the literature, in, in actual Roman literature, is they, they describe, the, they, they carry the crossbar. Uh, and the crossbar is estimated alone, was estimated to weigh about 110 pounds. And of course, if your arms are stuck out here, wrapped up on the cross, crossbar, and you fall down, you need help getting up. You, you, you just can't get up on your own because there's no possible way without your arms to get up. So you would have needed help getting up. If he, fall, if he fell over, there's a good chance that he could have hit his chest, which, which then could account for the possibility of a cardiac injury. Anatomically, we consider the wrists as part of the hand. And so uh, with the placement of the nails between the radius and the ulna at that position, it, it still fits, fits the definition of being in the hand and it's in a position in which the nail won't rip out, which you have to have, you have, to have a solid point of fixation. Uh, another interesting point about the placement of that is the median nerve goes right straight through 
that particular uh, uh, portion of the wrist. And so there would have been uh, either destruction of the nerve or, or impingement of the nerve that would have created tremendous amount of pain so that every time you try to take a breath, you'd be, it'd be agonizing. You'd be pushing down on spiked feet, which of course hurt, and then you'd be hanging on spiked arms. And so you alternate from excruciating pain to excruciating pain every time you take a breath. So, so even if he survives the actual crucifixion, he would have had to survive what I believe to be a, a, a lethal injury from the spear just to find out whether he was alive or not. What's described is the loss of water and blood, and that would entail either the, the uh, uh, either pleural effusion or pericardial effusion, and the blood would have come from either pulmonary artery, pulmonary vein, the aorta or vena cava, or the heart itself. None of those injuries, unless you're treated immediately by a trauma surgeon like myself, with all the advanced equipment that we have, would be survivable after even a few minutes. Christ, as the Son of God, could have survived anything. He chose to manifest himself as a human at that point in time and allowed himself to die. And, and being human at that point in time he could not have survived this particular series of traumas. It's not possible. Um, Christ as God could have survived anything they threw at him. And, but he chose to be Christ, the human, at that point in time to die for our sins. And that given that, that self-limitation of remaining to be human, he died. He did not survive the event. I, uh, I'm profoundly impacted by it because I realized that the price that he paid was something I'm not, I would be, never be willing to do for probably anybody. It's very difficult for me to even sing songs about the cross, even in worship. Because I truly do understand what he paid, the price that he paid. So God chose to demonstrate love because none of us would ever have gotten close trying to figure that out on our own. It just doesn't compute with fallen, broken human beings. Until you see it and you consider the suffering, the pain, the surrender, the willingness, the selflessness that he experienced. And so now that that historical moment has come and gone, God says the message still stands. What does that mean to you? It happened. God took upon himself the form of a human and suffered in your place. And that was the punishment that you and I deserved. If you can imagine that. I know you and I don't think we're that bad. And perhaps compared to others, we're not. But compared to God, we're that bad. 
and sin doesn't have any place in heaven. And so God had to eradicate it completely in order to cleanse us and make us qualified for heaven. And so getting to heaven doesn't mean being a perfect person or getting your act together. It means receiving a gift, the gift that Jesus paid the price for you. And if you and I will just simply by faith receive that, no work required except the work of believing and saying, Father, thank you. I don't deserve it. I am a sinner. I am qualified for this gift. I receive it. Then and only then does the resurrection have any meaning. Because it's when we receive Jesus, he literally, by his spirit, dives into our soul and ignites it with his life and, even better, his love. So we now have the power to actually love selflessly without any ulterior motives. To live the life that we dreamed we could or should or knew we should and actually begin, perhaps not 100% of the time because we're still human, but have the capacity to love selflessly the way he intended. And that's what heaven's gonna be like because all the sin and brokenness will not be there. But we can start tasting it, resurrection life, resurrection love, right now. But you have to receive Jesus as your savior. Clara and Marcella, why don't you come on back? I wanna close with this. The reason Jesus could suffer like he did is because he knew. God told him, this is not the end, son. You've got to pass through this portal to get to the resurrection side, but the resurrection side is coming. So he had confidence in the midst of all that suffering. And when you have the confidence of resurrection, you can go through anything because life will require some suffering. I'm not inviting it. But God did say, you live in a fallen world, so there will be suffering. But you'll have a confidence, a hope, and a future awaits you no matter how bad it gets down here. And that's really what it means being a Christian. Being a Christian is not being this holy, perfect saint all the time. It really means uh, having a hope and a future so that we can just love selflessly until we see him face to face. If you're already a Christian this morning, I, I want to encourage you to perhaps present yourself to God again and uh, in a fresh way to say wow father I've been living as though I'm not loved that much I've been living kind of I don't know sort of cheaply maybe a little stingily because I forgot what you did for me on the cross but as a believer you have the opportunity to repent and just get forgiven right now and start brand new with God. He receives you, says, what sin? I don't remember anything. What selfishness? I, I don't know what you're talking about. He forgets it and throws it away. So you can have fellowship with him again, be filled with the spirit afresh and love like never before. In a few minutes, I want to invite you to, to stand to your feet if, if that's you, a believer who just needs to kind of have a fresh start with your heavenly father. And secondly, if you've never had a clear moment where you know you gave yourself to him you said okay i'm gonna try this out jesus i'm gonna try it out god holy spirit whoever you are i'm gonna trust you and give it a shot however you pray the prayer any kind of invitation where you say lord take over from here i want to taste and see how good you are if you've never done that you can do that right now this morning this can be the beginning of your resurrection life and I, the bible says you'll taste it and experience it right away you'll know, wow, I'm not alone. The lights will come on. God will become real. The Bible, this 
perhaps a dusty, tired book will suddenly become alive. It's like God's talking to me. I hear his voice. That's Christianity, and you can have that right now this morning. So how about, let's do it this way. How about if we all stand to begin with? So I'd like to pray with you. Thank you, Lord God. So Father, I, I can't do anything by myself, Lord, but you said if, if we preach the gospel, if we tell people about the good news, that you would do the work of revealing yourself to the hearts and minds of people like us. So Lord, would you do that work and would you let the men and the women in this room right now know that if there's a kind of a pounding in their chest or there's a little bit of nervousness or there's some kind of emotion that's overcoming them, would you remind them, that's you, Lord. That's you trying to make yourself known and trying to, to break into our consciousness and our understanding that you're real and, and you want us to simply say yes by faith and receive you. While our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, I want to just first ask if you're one of those who's already a Christian, you know you're going to heaven, but boy, you need a fresh start with God. Would you raise your hand right now? Yes, yes, yes. Blessings to you and you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, in the back. Yes. We're on the right. Thank you, Jesus. And way right. Thank you, Lord God. All of those who are raising their hand right now, would you agree with me as I pray? I'm going to pray as if it's your prayer, but you just kind of say, yes, Father, okay? Lord, I want you to know I'm so thankful that you love me even at my worst. And I'm thankful that my selfishness and my sin or any other thing is not big enough to separate me from your love. So right now, Father, I want to say, I blew it. I've done it. I've sinned. But today, I want to come back to you and receive a fresh beginning with forgiveness and mercy to start with, and then strength and power to love you and others the way you've created me to. I receive that now. I receive my forgiveness, my acceptance from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we finish, if there's anyone this morning who just is saying, you know, I'm not 100% sure I've really ever done that. I want to have a certainty that I'm beginning my life with Christ right now. And you're ready to just give him a chance and let him prove himself because he said he would. All you have to do is open the door. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Stand ready to do that. Yes, sir. Good. Thank you, Lord. Yes, sir. In the back. Yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. On the right. Good job. Proud of you guys. Being humble. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Thank you. Father God, I'm so grateful to you that you can come out of darkness, seemingly out of nowhere, and reveal yourself to us in such a miraculous way. So right now, Father, for those who've raised their hands, Lord, I'm going to pray for you. You can just agree with me. Father, I come to you with an expectation that you'll show yourself to me. I don't think I can live without you, and I would like you to prove to me that I can't live without you. I thank you for sending your son to die in my place because I'm qualified. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm selfish. But Lord, I'm thankful that that death will once and for all remove my guilt, remove condemnation, take away any fear of death or fear of hell or anything else and replace it with a confidence that resurrection is my future to be 
with you forever. Now I pray, Lord, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to experience your love. I want to experience forgiveness. I want to experience a hope and a future as a son or a daughter of the living God beginning now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. Can we give the Lord a hand? He's done some great things today. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. We're not going to take much longer. I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you, Heavenly Father. What a great way to spend Resurrection Sunday remembering that the entire church, every Christian, all of us are less than perfect. We get to come to Him just like we are. Don't have to get our act together. We get to come right now and He begins to do the work out of love. So I want you to remember that all week long. If you happen to see someone or know someone later on today that doesn't know this, try to tell them. Just try to tell them about it. Try to tell them about the goodness of God. All right? May God bless you. Give somebody a hug before you go. Give them a handshake. And happy Resurrection Sunday. was an encouraging message. Please consider this open invitation to come and join us in worship and praise. The Lord's will is made clear in 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Oh, and here's a final message from Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.